WHMP. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Thursday, June 28th. Hello, Dan Torres. Good afternoon, Buzz. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great. It's really nice out there. Isn't it? It's nice weather. It yes. really is. Yeah, I... I uh, Got to do some gardening before I came into Northampton this morning. Oh, very nice. Dirty. It was great. How many gardens do you have over there? Mm. By way of admission, yeah. seven gardens seven in my gardens. house. I know. You're feeding the, the community, aren't you, Buzz? Well, a lot of them are flowers and things oh, okay. like that. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we like our garden. To tell you the truth. Marcin loves our gardens, and so I, a lot of it involves me doing what I'm told, which I'm more than happy to do because I'm the beneficiary of beautiful gardens. It's nice. Yeah, but I'm also the beneficiary of our guest today, and I'm anxious to uh, to uh, talk and to hear you talk to yeah. Amherst Town Councilor and Advocate for Racial Equality, Anika Lopes. Hello, Anika. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. I, uh, I I know that on Juneteenth, I've heard many uh, comments about um, how powerful your presentations were in Amherst. I want to thank you for that. Yeah, tell us a, a little bit about uh, the celebrations in Amherst for Juneteenth. Um, I, I heard uh, that you did a walking tour. Tell us where you went and uh, what did you show residents? Ah, thank you for asking. So, uh, yes, the Juneteenth Heritage Walking Tour was part of a weekend-long celebration in Amherst. And uh, so the walking tour, this was the first descendant-led and uh, curated walking tour uh, that represented the first Black and Afro-Indigenous families of Amherst that bridge our town to the military acts that ended slavery in America. And so we started at the West Cemetery where we have uh, the Thompson brothers, among others. Uh, Christopher Thompson is actually my, or was actually my uh, four times great grandfather. And uh, he and his brothers were members of both the Massachusetts um, 54th Volunteer Infantry Regiment along with the 5th Cavalry. And, uh, so Christopher was part of the 5th Cavalry, and they were among the brave who traveled to Texas um, and performed those acts that assisted in ending slavery on June 19th, um, 1865. So we started at the West Cemetery to honor them and also, you know, really the um, the black section of the West Cemetery is pretty much my family. I grew up just going to uh, funerals there. You know, so we started, um, this was uh, inspired by um, the Civil War tablets that were gifted to the town of Amherst in 1893 that were really the nucleus of last year's Juneteenth celebration. So this year we took it next level by following um, these folks' footsteps through town and acknowledging their contributions. So mm -hmm. we moved from the West Cemetery to the Emily Dickinson Museum, okay. where we focused on uh, Charles Thompson, who was actually a fiddler uh, for Emily Dickinson, who she wrote about in her um, diaries. Um, we had descendant, my cousin William Harris, who was um, president and CEO of Space Center Houston, served as master of ceremony and combined a really great talk with um, 
folks, uh, staff rather, at the Emily Dickinson Museum. Wow. And uh, from there, we moved on to the Amherst History Museum, where for the first time, which really blew my mind, as we're in 2022, mm. uh, black resident, black history, rather, black people and indigenous people were shown on the walls and, and featured as an exhibit. So it really allowed us to tell the true inclusive um, history of the town of Amherst. So we had a wonderful exhibit there that will run, I believe this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. will be the last day uh, to view that exhibit. And from there, we moved on to both the Hope Church and the Goodwin Church, which were um, the two oldest Black churches in Amherst, and the families um, established them. So it was really nice to um, have them included, um, and you know, it was wonderful to celebrate with them. They still have congregations to this day. And uh, we surprisingly had a lot of guests that really stayed with us through the West Cemetery through the very end of the day, which ended at the Drake. Um, wow. And that was surprising. I thought a lot of people might just join in specific stops, but the majority of people uh, were with us throughout the entire day. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I wanted to, to touch on uh, the Civil War tablets. Um, I read that they're now gonna be at the Jones Library. Tell us a little bit about those. Anika? Anika, are you there? Oh, that's strange. We lost uh, her feet. I hope she comes back. Because, you know, what was really incredible is that yeah. I read that there were, um, during the Juneteenth, um, there, there were people who are now buried in the very West Cemetery in Amherst that Anika was talking about. They traveled to Texas in 1865 to deliver the order that freed those 250,000 black um, people down there that mm. resulted in Juneteenth. It was people from here in Amherst right. that, that actually delivered. That actually delivered, yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible to, to have that connection back to this town. But And she's a descendant of some of those people. people. It's pretty, right. yeah, it's right. very powerful. And, and that hadn't been, uh, I mean, it's always been a part of history. It just hadn't been yet publicly discussed in, in such a more overt way. I think it's always been there, but now it's kind of growing and coming up into the conversation. I think the tablets that are now at the Jones Library in Amherst is, is a recognition of that, that that's been there, but now it's now we're seeing it in, in open yeah. spaces, uh, certainly more. Anika, are you there? I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about the organization you created, Ancestral Bridges. Uh, tell us um, a little bit about that. So Ancestral Bridges is really an, um, a nod to uh, these families and um, it, a dual reference to my grandfather, uh, Dudley Bridges, who really is the person who initiated these Civil War tablets, uh, getting their uh, due recognition. Uh, he also was a co-founder for the uh, ABC House, a Better Chance House in Amherst. and established uh, Hazel Avenue as a National Historic District, uh, Black Historic District. Uh, but overall, Ancestral Bridges receives grants of money and land and leverages these to celebrate BIPOC arts and culture, 
uh, enable first-time home ownership opportunities, and just overall raise the potential of uh, BIPOC and disadvantaged youth. Mm. Um, the organization serves as a bridge between past and present, um, elder and youth, uh, between diverse populations in the Connecticut River Valley, um, and um, also with descendants of the colonists, and really connecting all who seek to learn and grow through uh, meaningful engagements that educate, empower, and nurture uh, long-lasting growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and just with, uh, you know, as a heavy descendant base, we really are singularly qualified to share these stories and um, uniquely qualified to represent local African Americans and descendants of the original people in the um, Connecticut River, River Valley, wow. working with community members, town leaders, and descendants of colonists to represent local BIPOC and past and move into a more equitable and respectful future. Nice. And uh, I was on that webpage as well that you can actually do the walking tour that you did back on, on uh, Juneteenth. You can actually do it virtually, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So you can now, and this will be uh, growing. It will be interactive. Uh, We will move into some interesting bells and whistles. We want to make sure that people can enjoy this tour, whether they're here and following it or be across the world. Um, And, you know, really inspired to have this grow to really connect and include um, different cultures that, you know, were here in Amherst, um, is specifically really within that downtown area mm. and eventually really, you know, represent our global community here. Um, you know, you have, I, you know, heard you talking before about how a lot of this history was unknown and, and it's true as we're talking about, you know, the artists and the, um, the builders, the entrepreneurs, um, the the people who clean, they cleaned Amherst College and people's homes. So, uh, and this was, you know, entrepreneurs and musicians before this was glamorous and um, and lucrative. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's really important that we have, you know, our youth here, our residents that have been here to really understand this lesser known history. Um, I can't tell you how often I hear people talk about the black history of Amherst and and as if it started in the 70s, Mm. Um, you know, and before then it's just really all archived or, you know, thought about it. And so, you know, really this uh, organization along with um, what I feel is an incredible board uh, is just really um, a dream of, of mine because there's really uh, nothing like descendants telling their own stories. I mean, we we feel it, we smell it, we remember it, and that comes out um, in a way it doesn't always. And then when you really um, couple this yeah. with people who have, you know, done this research and are, um, you know, their life's work is really uplifting. The story is just, you know, unbelievable. It is, it is. I, I, you know, something you said that... Uh, Caught my attention is is the Hazel Ave history there. Can you just quickly tell me about that before Buzz asks you a question? Because we got to take a break soon. Sure. Uh, so Hazel Avenue is to this day. It's still uh, the majority. Quite a few of those homes are still, you know, within their own by you know family member. 
But, um, you know, uh, back in the day, I remember as a kid, you know, it was all family or, um, mem you know, friends who were close enough that you would refer to them as family. Um, mm. it, my great grandfather was born in a house that his father built on Hazel Avenue in 1896. And I remember as a kid with my grandmother nearly every day walking up that street and it would just take forever. I remember that forever to get from one end to the other because mm. really everyone was friends or family. She had to stop and talk with everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I mean it's uh it's a lot different now, of course, in that area, Baker, Snell Street. Right. Um, but you know, still uh, definitely all those memories are still there. Wow. So my question, Nika Lopes, and I'm not quite sure how to phrase it, but there's something so powerful in knowing that um, a member of a family that has that kind of history in Amherst is now among those who run Amherst, part of the government. Are you the first person in your family to actually be a part of Amherst government? Yes, 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 that, and uh... And this is a you know seventh generation family at least and actually beyond you know because we do connect we uh we have our indigenous mix and that brings us really before uh the colonies yes i am i am the first probably maybe even to to think about it. it's um yeah. and what does that conjure up for you we only have a minute before we have to take a break but when you think about that um, how does that feel to you? Uh, it's it's still surreal. Um, I you know did not grow up you know thinking feeling that my family was you know uh, important and, and talked about as it is now. Um, you know they were really invisible, and even in many ways they are now. They're you know talked about because you have certain initiatives that um, you know that would receive favor if they talk about them. Uh, but it it really uh, feels surreal, but I feel um, incredibly honored. Uh, if you would have asked me this three years ago, I would have never thought that this would be going on. But um, I, I'm honored to be a part of it and um, and uplift them. And I I think it uh, it speaks volumes about um, about this region. It speaks volumes about your family and about your character. Um, we're going to take a break. We're talking to. Amherst Town Counselor and um, historian, Anika Lopes. We're going to be back with Anika right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 
This is from Chile, from the winery Bouchon, and it's called Pays Salvaje. It's got like a guy on a ladder in the front. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The ladder is representing how they harvest this wine. So Pais, uh, sometimes referred to as the mission grape because it was planted all over Central and South America by Spanish missionaries. Additionally, it mutated into like a climbing vine. So it climbs up the trees on the backside of the vineyards. Ah. Uh, and they needed ladders that were up to 15 feet tall to harvest it. The Pais Salvaje, people who like natural wines or low intervention wines, like they do nothing to these things. They're just grown in the backyard um, and they use these giant ladders to, to get yeah, An interesting experience that you probably haven't had with these wild grapes grown tall. If you're in a rut, if uh, you've only been drinking Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio, maybe we've made you branch out. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street. Forbes Library is Northampton's public library with an amazing circulating collection of over 325,000 items, including bestsellers, recent releases, tons of movies, large print books, ebooks, audiobooks, and an extensive collection for kids and teens featuring board books, picture books, chapter books, and graphic novels. The library even has musical instruments that you can borrow. You can search the library's catalog online at ForbesLibrary.org, and while you're there, you can request a card and place items on hold. The library's website is also a great place to find out about upcoming programs and events which are always free and open to the public. We have story times, book clubs for kids, teens, and adults, poetry discussions, film discussions, author talks, concerts, movies for grown-ups, and so much more. Visit ForbesLibrary.org for more information and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest happenings. It's your library. Make the most of it. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And I am so pleased that we get to experience Anika Lopes' story. I read about it, um, that during Juneteenth, she was giving a walking tour. Um, she's a descendant of um, those folks who were there, including those buried in the, the West Cemetery that I read, that many of them went to Texas on Juneteenth and delivered the order that freed that quarter of a million people in Texas. It's a very powerful legacy, and I want to shank and thank you, Anika, for sharing it with us. Yeah, I Anika, I, I wanted to know, uh, congratulations, you got elected to town council here in, Am in Amherst. Um, is it what you expected it to be? You are a small business owner and you are also a town counselor. How do you do it? How many hours do you spend per week? And uh, when things come up that you don't know how to answer or they're complicated, how do you, how do you find the answers to that as a town counselor? Mm. Well, let's see. That was a load of questions. I know. Is it what I expected? I would say yes and no. Okay. You know, there's a lot to be handled in live time, and you have 13 people who, you know, have different opinions and ways of thinking and ideas, and really just, you know, um, the amount of information that is handled live time, I have to say a huge thank you to the Council for the Clerk Athena who, um, you know, myself personally, I, she she really just holds it together and um, makes this as, as easy as it could possibly be, in my opinion, for all of us. Uh, 
But, um, you know, there, there's still a, a lot, and I still speaking for myself being, what, I guess six months in now, mm-hmm. um, am still trying to find that balance of um, diving into this information as the constituents deserve and um, ba- balancing the decision, how much time do you, do you spend on, on what and, and prioritizing. And, you know, we, we live in a world where, you know, things can change day by day. And uh, so I'm not complaining. I, I'm just explaining. Yeah. Uh, but, but it is, you know, having, you know, a business and a consultant, it is, um, I guess, you know, it really depends when you get in, in the groove of it. There are days and, and weeks that it is like a, I would say, a separate uh, full-time job. Uh, and then there are, you know, certain times where we're continuing on, on subjects, so it could be a little bit um, lighter. But overall, uh, there, there really is uh, a lot of work involved. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, certain days to be, you know, honest, feel um, sometimes feel overwhelming, but, you know, trying to just focus on where there there is opportunity and the impact that is possible for us to have makes it worth it. Mm. I, I'm st- trying to figure out, like, what that formula is, mm. you know, to mm-hmm. uh, the community. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been following uh, Amherst politics locally, and there's been a, a lot of conversations about reparations in the town of Amherst. There was a recent uh, decision uh, that was made by the Finance Committee regarding reparations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. I'm not sure if you watched last night's uh, meeting where, you know, it was passed that there would be uh, an an endowment that would occur that would go up to uh, $2 million. And so that was a very uh, significant moment um, for Amherst and beyond uh, that happened last night. And I know there, you know, that um, there's an incredible amount of work that has gone in, um, you know, that has been done by the AHRA and so really i think that you know where we have there's so much to do i i do think that you know yesterday was a moment for amherst and you know um, the area around to really you know take a minute and um you know embrace that because that you know that news is is huge really yeah Um, really setting a tone um nationally, you know, as pointed out by many of the speakers mm-hmm. that joined uh, that joined in yesterday is this really does start um, locally. Yeah. And yeah, so it was, um, you know, it was it felt it felt surreal to to be there and, and be uh, part of that moment mm-hmm. um, and, and, and cast and cast a vote. But it's like, you know, nothing, nothing is easy. Yeah. You know, yeah, change is difficult. Um, but I, in talking about that, there's been a, a, a lot of uh, issues happening in downtown as well. Uh, we read the news recently that Hastings will be closing after over 100 years in downtown Amherst. Um, can you talk a little bit about affordability, not just in, in uh, commercial real estate, but also housing? And I know we got two minutes, and that's a big question. But wow. is the town trying to address that uh, those issues? 
I mean, absolutely. I will say, and this is not passing a book, but the, most of the current housing projects were determined by the, the previous council. But I can tell you that, you know, where we're dealing with some unprecedented hurdles around the already challenging issue of affordable housing, um, there is a focus on, you know, creating housing for the missing middle and, and, and young people. Um, mm -hmm lower income, you know, um, in terms of there's there's been suggestions about you know, adding in co committees, uh, resident working groups. So it's it's definitely on um, the the radar um, to, you know, move towards making this happen. It's just like, you know, everything else. Um, Easier said than done. Easier said than uh, done. Yeah, and and the businesses like how what's the what's the status on that? What's happening with downtown businesses? Oh, well, I like to gasp, you know, I mean, I think my earliest memories include um, Hastings, but, you know, our primary partners are the bid and chamber and their members are the business. So they're really those ones that are on the ground and know that pulse. Um, mm. Speaking as a small business owner myself, you know, I can say that many of us um, have yet to experience what COVID recovery is, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and while it's hard, if you look around, you really do not see many people in other towns doing what the bid and uh, the chamber do. Mm. You know, it's just that you know um, they they do what they can to support, but you know, their their hands are tied at a certain point when it comes to sustaining. You know, right, that's right. a whole other ball game. Um, but on you know positive notes, I think that there's a lot of initiatives going on with experience. There's a lot of music coming. Um, we've had, uh, you know, the, the Drake, we've got White Line Brewery coming, uh, Coronation Cafe has just opened a new bakery. So we're losing, but we're starting to see um, a lot popping up. And I'm, I'm just really hopeful that with, you know, the warmer weather and with a lot going on to engage, we'll, you know, see some more recovery. But, you know, this is also you know, uh, economic development is also attached in many ways to housing and who right. can be here. Right, exactly. You know? Yep. So it's a big animal. That's all right. Well, thank you so much, Anika Lopes here, uh, a town councilor of Amherst, been talking to us about Juneteenth and also what is happening in Amherst. And, uh, yeah, Anika, thank you so much. It was just uh, really illuminating for me. I did not know your story. Um, I just learned more about Amherst's story, and um, somehow it's comforting that um, to, to know that um, your lineage has resulted in somebody in a leadership position who not only deserves to be there, but also can inform the other town leaders of what, uh, what brought us to the point that we are today. We can all do better, and you're proof positive of that. So thank you, Anika. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for that. Okay, hope to talk to you soon. We're going to be back with Jackie Walsh um, and today's playbill. I think we're talking to Chester Theater Director Daniel Alehu, uh Kramer again, and um, I can't wait. Be right back. Stay with us. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon you Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5. WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The VA hospital in Leeds will remain open after a bipartisan group of U.S. senators blocked a restructuring plan that would have forced its closure. Back in March, the Department of Veterans Affairs had suggested closing the facility due to significant maintenance issues, investment requirements, and engineering challenges. 
The idea sparked outrage. Senator John Velas spoke with Western Mass News. The powers that be heard loud and clear from many people that this would have been a horrendous idea if they went forward. So I'm happy they listened. Congressman Jim McGovern says the announcement is a huge relief to thousands of veterans across Western and Central Mass who rely on the Leeds VA for high-quality medical care. The Jones Library is getting closer to their goal for a $36.3 million expansion and renovation. A community group established to raise a portion of the money has made a $500,000 donation for the project. Amherst voters in November endorsed the capital project by a nearly two-thirds vote. Groundbreaking is expected next year. A former Franklin County biology teacher and U.S. Postal Service worker will spend 15 years in federal prison for his second conviction on child pornography charges in two decades. 65-year-old Brian Cooper of Turner's Falls pleaded guilty in January to multiple charges related to child pornography. Cooper was a longtime biology teacher in the Athol Orange School System and was working as a clerk in the U.S. Postal Service in Turner's Falls at the time of his arrest. He was sentenced on Monday. Sunshine and a few scattered clouds this afternoon. Breezy, a high of 76 to 80. Mostly clear tonight. Overnight low of 50 to 56. It's a sun cloud mix tomorrow and breezy. 82 to 86. Mid 80s on Thursday. Low 90s on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis. 1015 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits. Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Hi, I'm Jay Sealer, Vice President, Commercial Lending at the Greenfield Cooperative Bank and Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Our experienced local commercial lenders are here for you and your business. Hi, I'm Maura Guzik, Vice President and Commercial Loan Officer. Did you know GCB is a SBA preferred lender? And unlike other banks, each of our team members has individual lending authority for fast local decisions. And I'm Adam Baker, Vice President, Commercial Lending. We're here to help your business grow with commercial loans and lines of credit. You can reach any of our experienced commercial loan officers by phone or at bestlocalbank.com. We'd be happy to meet with you at your business or at any of our Franklin and Hampshire County locations. Come on over to the co-op. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And here we are in the midst of uh, this uh, beautiful burgeoning summer that we have, the uh, pandemic, the numbers are far more... Um, comfortable comfort leaving numbers about people who are hospitalized and dying there are not too many so and all of a sudden there's an abundance of wonderful things to do in this extraordinary uh, cultural region that we live in and who's better to tell us about it than jackie walsh on this week's playbill hi jackie hey there buzz so uh yeah there's so much out there it's almost hard to keep track of it all but i'll give you some of the highlights so um Ain't Misbehaving has not left yet from Barrington Stage in Pittsfield. It is a beautiful, funny, colorful, 
Great show, great singing, great costumes, and so much humor. And it's all Fats Waller songs. There's no script, but it's so great. There's like a story woven through it. Um, that is through July 9th at Barrington Stage. Um, Shakespeare and Company is up and running, so we know it's summer. And Iliad is happening. It's kind of a modern version. I think it's a one-woman show. That's through July um, much Ado About Nothing comes after that. There's these great Wednesday walks where they show you, like, the costumes and the ropes, if there are ropes. But they just show you everything backstage, which I really want to go to. Um, and then there's a play called Him that follows in August about two men who meet at a funeral. It's all about what it takes to be a father or a son or a brother. Dracula is coming up in... August 11th through 27th at the Colonial in Pittsfield. That's a must-see for sure. The Majestic Closer to Home has Betty and the Patch through July 25th, and that's just a story about a local restaurant. It sounds pretty intriguing. Um, we have a play with a funny name, Broken Code Bird Switching, at the Unicorn in Stockbridge, which is this really great little theater in the country. Um, about a grieving attorney who takes a pro bono case representing a black teen who's accused of murder. And she's in a biracial marriage. And so it's about ra marriage, race, and taking chances. And justice. Yeah, justice. And then Williamstown is also up and running. The Williamstown Theater Festival has Man of God, which is a comedy feminist thriller, and that's all of July. And then we also have uh, this incredibly cute little theater in, I don't know, just in the middle of the woods, not quite to Stockbridge. It's Chester Theater. Um, it's really only 35 minutes away from Northampton. And uh, through July 3rd is Pride at Prejudice, so one of the many, many adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. Um, it's a reimagining of the Jane Austen classic filled with bloggers, chat rooms, Austen enthusiasts, and even Jane herself. So we are very lucky today to have Daniel Elihu Kramer, who is the producing artistic director at um, Chester, and also wrote this play and directed it. And he is here, not quite in the studio, but on the telephone. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing great, Jackie. How are you? Really good. So I went and saw the play on Sunday, and I have to say I was slightly wary because I am just so tired of social media and phones, and I want to get phones and computers out of my life. To, so to put that layer on top of Jane Austen, I was curious about it, and it was so great because there was no screens with words. It was all just sort of the action and then a a character would step out and and suddenly lose the British accent and have a American modern accent and say like what is going on in the scene and I guess and you can tell us Daniel those those characters were sort of echoing what you might read when you go read reviews of the book for example maybe you can explain sure. explain it to people who weren't there absolutely so what I would 
say the the so two things I'd say first Jackie they are not only echoing what people say online about it but they all of that material is actually drawn from stuff people have posted online yeah so the play has essentially three sources the first of course is the novel Pride and Prejudice um, beloved by some not by all uh, but man when people love it they love it the second source is uh, the letters of Jane Austen and she appears as a character at times um, with words all drawn from her own letters. Right. Um, and then the third source is this enormous, obsessive Internet world, uh, which spends a lot of its time talking about this novel, talking about Jane Austen, trying to imagine her life, trying to figure out the book. Uh, some of it is literally students saying, I have a quiz on this. Can you help me figure this out? Or how does this <laughs> scene work? This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so it becomes a journey most centrally through the story of the book itself, but with all of this other stuff kind of adding and echoing and creating sort of new angles on the story of the book and on, of course, the central characters, Elizabeth and Darcy. Right, and there's a lot of joking about how confusing the scenes are, and yet people, as they talk about that, as they make those jokes, then explain the scenes and uh, sort of trigger all of our memories of the actual book. And there's this one very funny part where, you know, someone's saying, well, who is that character? And who is that character? I'm so confused. And they pulled out this mega, like, six-by-four-foot chart with, like, 50 characters and these arrows explaining their connections, and someone tried to explain it. It was very funny. And yeah, there's a lot of humor of in the moments, play. Yeah, if you've ever had one of those moments where you're confused and somebody says, let me explain it to you, and when they're done, you're more confused? <laughs> <laughs> And that was it. So what inspired you to take this on? So this play was originally conceived as a commission by a theater company in Ohio called Available Light Theater. Uh Um, But then uh, its first production under this title, Pride of Prejudice, was actually at Chester Theater Company 11 years ago. Um, And I had no affiliation at that point with the theater. Um, I was just, I was the writer of this play and they asked me to come in and and do some work with it. I didn't direct it then. Uh, But for me, it was, I love the book, but I've never been obsessed with it. But boy, as I started to research it, as I started to work on this commission, did I see how obsessed some folks are with it. And I was excited by the idea that we could make a stage version that would excite you if you loved the book and that would excite you if you'd never read the book in your life. And I really wanted to try to find a pathway that did both. Um, If you've read the book, you'll know that it is at least as much a comedy itself as it is a romance. Yes. Um, And so, you know, one of my favorite things is there are lots of laughs we get from the contrast between the Internet and the story. But there are also lots lots of laughs we get that are just because Jane Austen is a really great, funny writer of dialogue. Yes, she is. So tell us about the cast, which is a diverse cast. People also played um, an older woman played, I think, Jane or Lydia, one of the sisters. Mm -hmm. One guy played a young man, and then he played Mr. Bennett. So tell us all about that. Sure. So uh, because they play so many different roles, right, you have a cast of five actors, and they're playing all of these roles. Uh, one of the things you just need is folks who are really able to quick change and do a lot of different things, right? So it's a really demanding set of roles, um, and it's very much an ensemble piece. So part of casting this, honestly, was putting together a group of five people 
who were going to be able to work well together and contribute as a group. Um, we also were really interested in a cast that's diverse on a number of fronts, right? Um, so some of the diversity is around racial and ethnic identity in this cast, but some of the diversity is around age. Um, and to really say, what is it like to watch an actor transform? What is it like to see an actor be, uh, for instance, Mr. Darcy, the, the sort of aloof hero of the story, um, and at the same time be the Reverend uh, Collins, who is, uh, you know, this sort of fool in the story, um, and what's it like to see somebody go back and forth? Right, um, and... and just, well, for one, uh, one of the women, I'm forgetting their names, I'm sorry, um, she played one of the sisters, and then she turned into this old woman who just um, dripped disdain and judgment, mm. and the transformation was really great to see. Was she Lady Catherine? Yeah. Uh, yes, no. exactly. So oh, it's Claire was. Fort, and the two roles that we're talking about here is, one, she is Jane Bennett, but then she also plays Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Oh, boy. Um, and that transformation is really fun. Um, oh, and in that, that particular actress is black, which I think is both um, a great expansion of the world of the play, but also you know has very, very little to do has nothing to do with her ability to go through all of those roles other than the fact that it's part of her identity, part of her experience. She brings it to the work, right? right. Um, you know, you asked about the cast. One of the fun things in the case of that particular actor is that she was long ago a student of mine when I taught at Kenyon College in Ohio, long before she went on and got did graduate work and started a professional career. Nice. Well, That's we'll get really back. To yeah, her and other things. I do want to return to yeah. that, but I also, after the break, I'd really like to find out from Daniel uh, as a director, how much is he going to, how much do you put into your actors, your vision, and how much do you rely on your actors to be able to express their own of their characters and the overall story? And we're going to come back and talk more about Chester Theater's production of Pride and Prejudice right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Let's talk Pride at Prejudice. Jane Austen with bloggers and chat rooms and, well, all sorts of things. And we'll do exactly that when we speak with Daniel L. Hugh Kramer, producing artistic director of the Chester Theatre Company, who will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Jackalope? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Enjoy fine dining in downtown Springfield. Black Angus Flame Mignon, Crab Cake Stuffed Jumbo Shrimp, Bolognese, Bear Island Salmon, and vegans are welcome too. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. 
The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts is the region's largest hunger relief clearinghouse. They have been since 1982. They distribute fresh produce, including vegetables from 39 local farms, dairy, grains, and other nutritious foods to families and individuals facing hunger. The Food Bank is proud to partner with hundreds of food pantries, meal programs, and social service organizations to provide hunger relief in all four counties of Western Mass. Did you know that they also offer free SNAP outreach, helping anyone who needs support navigating the process of applying for federal food assistance. They also offer free bags of groceries through programs like the Mobile Food Bank, which hosts food distribution events at outdoor sites. Everyone is welcome to pick up food all year round. No ID or proof of need required. Learn more about the Food Bank at foodbankwma.org or by calling 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors in need have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. Consumer complaints about airlines surged 300% in April, even before the summer crush of post-pandemic travel. In addition to lost luggage, many of the complaints were about flight cancellations. In April, airlines canceled five times as many flights as they did in April 2019, before the pandemic. Fourth of July, new car sales are an Independence Weekend tradition, but Kelly Blue Book says there won't be many deals this year. The ongoing new car shortage caused by supply chain bottlenecks and a lack of computer chips means dealers don't need to offer much in the way of incentives. To expand its payment options beyond buy now, pay later, PayPal has introduced a service it calls PayPal Pay Monthly that allows customers to spread payments over longer periods. Qualifying consumers can borrow up to $10,000 and make payments over two years. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. So we are here with Daniel Alihu Kramer, who's the uh, producing artistic director at Chester Theater in Chester. And I just want to interrupt. I, I left before the break. I, I asked a question, which is, uh, how much is your direction and how much is what the actors bring to the, these very interesting parts that you've uh, designed for them? You know, so part of my hope is that by the time you do a good job on a show, you can't quite tell, right? And not only the audience can't quite tell, but I'm not quite sure. What I would say is that my job as a director is to create structures, to create rehearsal environment, to ask productive questions, to create productive circumstances for actors. And then, you know, I hope to have cast actors, and in this case I know, to have cast actors inventive enough and creative enough that they can offer answers I would never have thought of, right? Wow. Um, and that's so much of my work as a director is to create circumstances in which people will come up with things I couldn't have come up with. Nice. Well, to, to lay it out clearly and get out of the way. Yeah, Nice. You know, and then then reflect back to them what I'm seeing, um, and see where we go from there. Nice. So um, your theater group is in a, a ve very small town. Doesn't quite describe how small it is. <laughs> Not sure how many hundred of hundreds of people live there. But well, we've got about sixteen hundred. Oh, okay. you do. You, you're on. over a thousand. Oh, wow. It's just small. Are. I'm in a town of two thousand. Shelburne Falls, and it feels smaller. There's no. Major it downtown. Does. We have at Absolutely. least 20 stores different. and restaurants. Um, so 
Um, I know from my own experience, uh, doing theater in town halls can be a little fraught. I mean, a group I work with in Asheville, we more or less got kicked out because for many reasons, but one is, you know, one of the actors sat on a police car, slid off it, and put a big scratch in the <laughs> car, and you know, leaving town hall open at the end of the night because people are distracted. So, um, and the other problem is that uh, sometimes town officials never set foot in the theater. They don't, they don't see what's there. They don't necessarily value it, and if it disappears, it's not that big a deal. So. Um, so how have you worked it out that you've been able to stay there so long? I know part of the deal is $10 tickets for, uh, or some sort of cheap tickets for locals. We do, in fact, have $10 tickets for Chester residents. Um, you know, the theater started here, this is the 33rd season of the theater. Um, and it was started in part by the town in that... Um, a gentleman named Vincent Dowling, who had worked and been a director and actor at the Abbey Theater in Dublin and had run a theater in Ohio for a number of years. Uh, the way I tell the story is he was very good at almost everything except being retired. Mm -hmm. um, but he was asked by folks in the town to put on a play to raise money to help them set up the railroad museum. They were trying to move mm -hmm. an old railway station to create as a railroad museum. So the this was not a theater that got imposed on the town. This is a theater that grew up in this town. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and we get enormously supportive folks in terms of uh, the Board of Selectmen. Uh, I always hesitate when I say Selectmen because it's a co-ed mm -hmm. group, but they still call the themselves board. the Board yeah. of Selectmen. Yeah. Um, that's their term, mm -hmm. um, in terms of the town administrator, in terms of a bunch of the folks in town. And I think we really think of ourselves as contributing to what life is like here in all kinds of ways. Uh, but you're right. It's a very small town, uh, with a very tiny downtown. There's one place you can get lunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's another place you can get dinner and then there's a bar where you could get either. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, there's not a whole lot. There's now an ice cream place, so that's progress. Nice. Um, and, you know, my I'm always threatening to make our, our slogan be Chester Theater Company, 40 beautiful minutes from anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but it is a beautiful drive to here it for is. folks who are used to going to Jacob's Pillow. We're only, if you're coming from the valley, you know, if you're coming from somewhere like Northampton, we're 11 minutes before you would get to Jacob's Pillow. Right, right, right. Hey, I also noticed on your website um, that you personally are um, leading tri theater trips to Chicago and London, which yeah. makes me go, wow. So, These are so fun, Jackie. Yeah. These are so fun. We obviously have not done these in a few years. Uh -huh. um, the last trip we took was a fall trip in 2019. Yes. Uh, but we are planning this October to go to Chicago for right. four nights of theater. Yeah. Um, and then to London in March for a week of theater. Oh uh, we see really terrific plays. We stay lovely places. We get introduced to the theater scene there by terrific local theater critics, including in London, uh, the London theater critic for the New York Times. We have great conversations about these plays. Um, they're one of the most amazing things that we do, honestly, Fantastic. to have these terrific trips. So we have about 90 seconds. Can you just give us a quick list of the shows that are coming up besides Pride at, uh, Pride at Prejudice? 
You bet. So Pride and Prejudice runs one more week, and then after that, we'll be opening a beautiful play by Anna Uyang Monk called Birds of North America, which is about a daughter and father. We see them about once a year, uh, bird-watching, working through their relationship um, as adult father and daughter. Um, it also becomes a play about climate change, because if you watch birds once a year for 10 years, you watch the climate change. Uh, then we have an amazing play by Antoinette Nwandu uh, called Passover, which was actually the play that reopened Broadway last fall. Astonishing play about two black men on a street corner in Chicago, uh, which is in some ways a tribute to Waiting for Godot, uh, and in other ways a sort of amazing look at contemporary life. Uh, and then we're closing with a play we commissioned ourselves called To the Moon and Back by the playwright Dar Darcy Parker Bruce, um, which is in part a play about how you overcome things from your childhood, but in part an astonishing play set, uh, believe it or not, in lawn chairs on the moon. What a jewel in the Hilltowns Chester Theater is. We've been talking to Daniel Kramer. Jackie, thank you for bringing Daniel back. Um, thank you for telling us about Pride at Prejudice. It's, it's an inexpensive but wonderful experience, and I hope people take advantage of it. You have another week. But it sounds like go to the, what is the website for Chester Theater? So ChesterTheater.org, and I'll just mention that theater there is spelled R-E, ChesterTheater.org, and you can get tickets right there. Thank you, Daniel Kramer. Thank you, Jackie Walsh. Thank you, Daniel. Everybody, thank, thank you, you for buddy. joining us on the Afternoon Buzz today, and please join us tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll be here with Nan Parati. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Fake and Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. Looking to take a little breather from the news? We don't blame you. Why don't you turn the dial over to our pure oldie station, 96.9. The, the only live and local talk in the valley and for the valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5.